Hello and welcome into today's episode of the Wired Up Sports Podcast. I'm Josh Coleman alongside Dylan Malfatti. It's going to be a fun show for you guys here today. Obviously, we have to talk about March Madness conclusion, national championship. So we'll start there before we work our way into the Denver Nuggets and the Colorado Avalanche as well as where is where we'll finish up the show. I'm Josh Coleman again, alongside Dylan Malfatti. How you doing, Dylan? I'm all right. It's been a week, man. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's only Tuesday. It's already been a week. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, buddy. It's been a long one already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To say the least. To say the least. And the weather, like it's sunny outside today, but my God, is it windy. Oh, it, and it had like the spit rain going on too. Yeah. Like it um, rained, but it wasn't raining hard. Although while I was in class, it was a downpour. And I was like, that better finish up before I have to walk home. Cause I, I walked home in a, in a downpour last week and it Jesus. was not fun. <laughs> you remember when it rained really hard last Tuesday uh, and after yeah. our, after yeah, our yeah. show? Yeah. I walked home in that. It was hailing on me. Goodness. It did hail. Yeah. When I was yeah. driving home that day. Yeah. I was like, this doesn't happen here. This is a front was, range thing. I was walking home <laughs> and it just started progressively getting harder. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like you, it's really going to start raining harder as I start my walk home. I wasn't even off campus yet when it started hailing. Oh. And then I just saw these little like white tiny beads. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. Like, of course I chose now. I should have just stayed on campus. Yeah. Should have tried to wait it out. Terrible. Anyway, well. Yeah. Anyway, how, jumping yeah. into it. Jumping into it. <laughs> anyway, jumping into the show now. It was, in my book, I think this is one of the craziest NCAA championships that we've had since uh, 2016 when it was Villanova UNC. And UNC had the... Marcus Page circus shot that I have no idea how it went in. And then Villanova came back with a buzzer beater three-pointer. I would say this championship is arguably one of the best. Like, yeah. um, instant classic. Instant classic. It was a great game. Well, it was like the tale of two halves, right? Because the first half, Kansas came out of the gate pretty strong. Yeah. Um, but then they just completely lost it, and UNC tore it up the first half. Ended up going into the break 40 to 25. Um, and then the second half, it was just all, pretty much all Kansas. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, yeah. I, I think you put it very well, the tale of two halves. And it was the biggest comeback in NCAA tournament national championship history as Kansas was down 16 with 2.23 left in the first half, they were down 38-22. to 22. Came back to win the game. Out, They scored 47 points in the second half. Well, and that's, that's kind of what Kansas has been doing throughout the tournament, right? I mean, the past... Uh, well, the two games before that. So, mm -hmm. the Elite Eight Final Four, they'd scored 40-plus points in the second half. I mean, they just, they turn it up during yeah. that second half. And yeah, it, they did it again. Yeah, it, it, arguably, and I read a bunch of articles uh, prior to the championship. And it was talking about, and even before the final four, it was talking about how Kansas had played arguably three perfect or near perfect halves. Mm -hmm. And they had to do it again in the final four. They did that. And then in the championship, First half, ugly as as could be, basically. Yeah. For them, outside of the what the opening five minutes when they took like an eleven to two lead or whatever it was, eleven three. Yeah. They went up, and I was like, oh, "This might not be good." <laughs> yeah, I had that same feeling, and I saw UNC get back into the groove a little bit, and I was like, "Oh," and then I at one point like it didn't even occur to me to look at the score. Like, I was just enjoying watching the game, and I wasn't checking the score. I looked down, and Kansas was down by, like, 10 or 12. And I was like, oh, it doesn't feel like that. Because, they, I mean, it, they were still giving UNC—they were still playing with a bunch of effort. It was just—they weren't hitting 
a ton of shots. And my goodness, did Armando Baycott dominate that first half. Nobody could stop him. His size dominated. There's a double-double in the first half. Yeah, he, he was unreal for, for UNC in the first half. Just absolutely dominant. And I, I'm upset that obviously the injury didn't decide the game, him re-rolling his ankle. But no. it, it definitely had a big portion to play. Is it, it was, what, 30? It was less than a minute. I believe it was like 35-ish seconds on the clock. And he went down. And looking at some of the videos, a lot of people are saying it was to a, a loose floorboard because you can see when he takes the step, it, the floor kind of gives way under him and he, right. and he rolls his ankle. And now I don't know for sure that it was the, the floor and everything that did that to his ankle well, because he, that was he'd a, been dealing with it all, all tournament long, but that was a yeah. major turning point in the final 30 seconds of the game. Absolutely. I think, you know, if, if he's in there and a great show of sportsmanship by Kansas to just kind of stop play. Yeah. You know, as he's hopping back down the court, I feel for him <laughs> because, you know, I, I literally just did the same thing. It sucks. Ankle injuries. <laughs> I forgot that you did. That. <laughs> I know we talked about it yesterday, but I forgot about that. Yeah. So, yeah, ankle injuries suck. And a good show of sportsmanship by Kansas to mm-hmm. stop play. They didn't have to. It's a championship game. I don't think anybody would have faulted them if they had made UNC pay. Yeah, yeah. if they if they went fast with, with the numbers. I, w- I don't think anybody would have yeah. blamed them. No, absolutely not. So, but, you know, credit to them. They did that. You know, it, it could have been, it could have been ugly for Kansas because, Right there at the end, I forget who it was. Um, steps out of bounds. Was it Remy Martin? No, it wasn't Remy. It was uh, Harris, I believe. Now I can't remember the, his first name. Uh, DeJuan? Yeah, De- yeah, DeJuan Harris. He was okay. the one who stepped out. So he steps out, yeah, with four seconds left um, to give UNC a chance to tie it, obviously. Um, they Caleb Love couldn't hit that that shot, but it was a terrible shot. Yeah, awful. Um, and I I think I think they would have had a better shot had Brady Manick not lost his footing or whatever. He was struggling tripped, there for a second. Tripped. I I couldn't tell if he collided feet with uh, who he was setting the pick for, but he tripped and I saw that too. And it definitely messed it with their play. Yeah. Uh, But it wasn't a great shot neither. I will say this. I am baffled that Hubert Davis did not call a timeout after that horrifying, what seemed like a 35 foot three pointer with 18 seconds left from Caleb love. They luckily got the offensive rebound. I would have called the timeout right then and there. Been like, I don't know what the hell just happened and why you thought we needed that shot with 18 seconds on the clock. Yeah. But I I, I think Hubert, he had a timeout, easily could have called it. I think that's a first-year head coach mistake. They easily could have drawn something up, and I know you kind of want your players to play free and, and loose, especially in those in those moments where they're the biggest. But, man... After I saw, I was literally, I'm sure my neighbors hated me yesterday because I was screaming at my laptop. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? Take a timeout, Hubert. Like, you you just watched that kid take the dumbest shot of this game in the most important situation, yeah. and there was nothing. Yeah, you would have liked to have seen that shot come from Manic. I mean, he was money in the first half mm-hmm. from beyond the arc. Money. Um, I... I don't know exactly what his three point stats were in there, but let me he was like he was like three of five or something like that from uh Brady Manic was three of six and Caleb Love was one for eight from behind the arc. Yeah, you don't want him taking that shot. <laughs> <laughs> and he had shot the ball well all tournament long. Yeah. But in the tournament or in the championship game, he was five for twenty four from the field, one for eight from behind the three point line, had four turnovers. 
three rebounds and two assists. One great stats. 24 shots and you've made five. I don't know what's telling you you should continue shooting the ball. I understand you're very good, Caleb Love. You're very talented. Shoot, shoot. You shot the lights out all tournament long. That's just not your game. Pete, but, guys, guys have off games. You have to be able to recognize when you're having an off game. Right. And, I you mean, know? it's not like anybody on their team shot that well. Carolina as a team was just 23 for 73 from the field, 5 for 23 from behind the arc. The only good shooting they had was at the free throw line. They went 18 to 22 for an 81% success rate at, at the charity stripe. But yeah. it, they didn't shoot the ball. I'm surprised that they hung as well as they did it. I understand the 15-point lead had a major part in that, but the second half was so clearly dominated by Kansas, and UNC couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, but it, it felt like, one, the second half was just Kansas's. Like, there was no way that Kansas yeah. was going to let that slip. No, it's, no, definitely not. And like I said before, they have big second halves, before, of course, they were going to go out and do it again. You right. Know? Right. Even down 16 points. They're not going to just roll over and die. Yeah, they, they weren't going to fold. And actually, I was reading an article today, um, and it was started. I don't know if you remember a ton about the 2020 Kansas team when COVID happened and they were the best team in college basketball. The article talked about it, and it says... Um, that it basically, it was the fourth national title as well for Kansas. We have not said that yet, but it, it Bill Self, after the game, said it's partially won for them, that 2020 team, because I always thought the 2020 team was better, more equipped to do well in the NCAA tournament. That was in, this is a direct quote from Bill Self. I, one, I don't see the fault with him, but a lot of those guys, because Kansas is a very veteran group, they, they have 973 games of college experience combined throughout their entire roster. Wow. Yeah, a lot of game experience. But guys, like, there were a lot of veteran players for Kansas that was on that 2020 team. Like, this was a game where I... I wasn't fully... I didn't remember that a lot of those guys were on the roster still, but it felt like Kansas was... It was almost their destiny, even though UNC had arguably more of a destiny-driven NCAA tournament. It felt like Kansas was going to win this game going into it. Like, I, Granted, I didn't think it would turn out the way it did. I didn't think that UNC was going to win. It felt to me like Kansas was for, by far the better team, had been, has, was coming off three of the best halves of of their season really and unc had just played basically their national championship game like it felt like everything was leading up to kansas being named eventual winners and champions yeah i mean with that kind of experience <laughs> yeah, 973 <laughs> games is so much to have on one roster especially in today's era of the one and dones and Kansas being such a good program, like that is wild to me. Yeah, yeah, crazy. And I mean, by comparison, UNC, I, I don't want to call them a young group, but like it's... They're, they're younger than Kansas. They're I think younger, that's, 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 yeah, exactly what I'm trying to get at. So mm -hmm. um, that experience just isn't there. Yeah. Apart from, you know, Baycott and Manic, who are older guys. Yeah. Manic has been there. Now I can't remember, but it feels like Manic has been there. I think this is his fourth year. Let me double check that. But he he's been kind of a mainstay for them uh, at at the school. He is a senior, so this was his final game in a UNC uniform. And I mean, it's a tough way to go out. He played pretty well though, and yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got a concussion though. Oh, he got hit from so hard first, in the face. From the first elbow oh he took and his God. legs just go out. And I'm like, how is he allowed back on the floor? Like, how is he not in concussion protocol right now? Dude, I have no idea. Yeah, he just buckled after that elbow. Yeah, that and he looked ate like another one. Yeah, right to the nose. Yeah. 
And then he took a charge and fell pretty hard on the floor. And I was like, dude, your head can only withstand so much brain damage in one game. (laughs) Right? Like, I know we're not playing football here, but, (laughs) dude, you've eaten two elbows, potentially more, in just this one game. (laughs) Yeah. And none of them were dirty or anything, but... No, 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 no. It was all incidental stuff. Mm -hmm. But still, I mean, those things can... Incidental er, incidental contact can do a lot of damage. And it arguably hurts worse. Because, like, the first one, when he ate it just straight to the jaw from uh, McCormick, like, you could tell it hurt worse because Manic had not prepared for it. Or, like, braced. He just ate it, and it was like, oh. <laughs> he looked dazed afterwards. Oh, he was dazed and confused, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Dazed. It, it was one of those where I was like... Take this man off, run him through concussion protocol. Like, yeah, it's the national title, but we also still have to be somewhat worried about guys' health. Yeah, absolutely. Is there going to be some sort of protocol there? You know, give him like the little eye test thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's so (laughs) many things you can do. Even if you're going to, even if, you know, it is college athletics. So, and athletics in general, they always, there's always ways to get around like the protocols and, and, try to ski your way to there but like it, it i wouldn't be surprised if i got a notification in the next couple of days like brady manic suffered a concussion in the national championship i'm like yeah we all watched it happen <laughs> yeah he's literally walking around the floor like he was lost yeah no <laughs> his face after was just like where am I? And I was yeah. like, this this man's not okay. Like, let's no. check on him really quickly. But you know what? He played a really good game after that, though. Yeah, I was surprised that he, like, I think he took a shot almost a minute after, and it barely missed. But I was like, it's better than I would have done after just eating an elbow. <laughs> like, that's I would. Better, that's better than I would do perfectly healthy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't make a shot to save my life, man. Oh. That makes me laugh. I <laughs> so I was never super great at at like driving past my defense. I was a shooter in basketball, so I fully get it from Brady. I, I, he put it up, and I was like, "Man, that was a lot closer than it should be for a guy who potentially is not fully here." Yeah, still right seeing now. stars, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but He's it. Got- it Two baskets he's shooting at. Just pick one. <laughs> Shoot for the middle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, it was one of the most exciting national championship games ever. Instant classic. I, I, I can't say enough about it. I saw too many things. Actually. Uh, but I saw too many things of people saying, like, this tournament was a little boring and all that. I never thought it was. There were only a couple of games that were, like, boring i guess you could say and it's usually the one versus 16 seats where they the one wins by like 40 points yeah like there weren't a ton of blowouts this year every game was pretty pretty close down to the wire i mean there were a couple that were decided by 10 or more as we got later into the tournament but i i thoroughly enjoyed everything that we got to see not boring it was awesome getting to see unc duke in the final four that they met for the first time ever. It was incredible. I still, the only way that book is written better is if Roy Williams is still a coach and they meet in the national championship mm-hmm. and they both ride off into the sunset after the year. Only way it's written better. But yeah. either way, it was tremendous. And the last thing that I want to <clears throat> bring up about this topic is I saw a hilarious tweet, a hilarious tweet after from Peter Burns at ESPN. It says, this is Kansas's fourth national championship, just one shy of the amount of level one violations they're currently being accused of by the NCAA. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I have no words for a tweet like that. It it made me laugh so hard. Well, I mean, I think everybody was under investigation for something. Everybody in the final four. Every, every really good team duke unc kentucky kansas all of those like blue bloods there's no way they're fully clean i'm sure that 
things will clean up a little bit with NIL is now you don't have to pay your players to get them there. But <laughs> I I know. I mean, you Louisville as well before with Rick Patino when they got accused and he had to get fired because he was violating all the NCAA violations. Like all of the really good coaches, there's no chance they're staying within them. No. No chance. No, absolutely not. But yeah, that was, I just saw that tweet today. I was like, that's perfect. That's the most perfect tweet that you could have, both celebrating a national championship, making a joke, and informing people about the the violations that they're having. Because I, I honestly wasn't really, I didn't know that was going on. I'm not, I don't follow Kansas a ton. I'm not a huge rock chalk Jayhawk guy. I'm not, I, I don't like him. Uh, but I I was unaware and it made me laugh so hard. I was like, man, five level one violations. That's that's tough. No, that's that's a funny tweet. <laughs> yeah, no, it was perfect. But that's funny. That's gonna wrap up the March Madness segment, and we'll quickly move into some Denver Nuggets talk as they're wrapping up their season here. Currently, still in. Oh, actually, they climbed. I, they're in fifth place now. They jumped the Utah Jazz for that fifth spot. So potentially the Nuggets get the first-round matchup with the Dallas Mavericks as a 4-5, and then the winner of that would go on to, I, I'm presuming, take on the Phoenix Suns. I, I don't think that they're going to lose in the first round to whoever they get matched up with out of the play-in tournament. But Nuggets have three more games on the schedule. They finally put the Lakers game on with the time and not TBD anymore. So Nuggets, they got San Antonio tonight, Tuesday, April 5th at 7 p.m. Thursday, they have the Memphis Grizzlies, who I, I can't imagine is going to be playing all of their starters because they already clinched the the their spot in the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean... the Lakers. Um... I, I can't imagine that, you know, Jaw is not going to be back before the playoffs. Yeah, no, he, he's for sure. I There would be no reason to bring him in at this moment in time. So I, I'm presuming that he's not going to be playing for for Memphis on Thursday night. That's just a little hunch that I'm sure every person who follows the NBA has. Yeah, so yeah, Jaw... Jaw was out. Uh, Jaw's been out for a while. Jaron Jackson, I I think, was out when they played the Suns, and they still beat them. Which is they're... Grizzlies Memphis is <laughs> they're the, scary good. They're scary good, and it's one of those where like I'm not sure anybody thought they were gonna be this good this year. Like we all, you could see the writing on the wall that they were gonna be one of the best teams in the NBA with the young core that they had developed. I don't think many people saw it happening this year. They, no. I mean, they have a 55 and 23 record right now. That's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, it's literally see, the second best record in the NBA. The Lakers sitting in the 11 spot right now. Um, Good. I love to see that. Good. Let them fall oh yeah and i don't think that lebron will play i wouldn't think so i can't ad ad got hurt the other night the other afternoon how many games has lebron played in these last six because i know if for him to be in contention for the scoring title he had to play three of the lakers last six games because he had not met the league minimum to win the uh, the award so i don't i'm I don't care about the Lakers this season. I'm just cheering for their downfall. So it's I'm, I'm not watching their games. So I don't know if he's been playing. Um, I imagine he probably has because he seems pretty determined to get that scoring title this year. But it would be it. I'd be intrigued to see that uh, their lineup that Sunday because, I mean, if you look at the standings, the Lakers. They're two games behind San Antonio, so 
basically, if San Antonio wins any of their last three games, I don't foresee the Lakers climbing in, but Lakers got to win out. There's no, there's no if ands or buts about that. They have to win out uh, to even put themselves in contention. As and oh, they don't have a good schedule to win out on. Ooh, that's oh, tough. No, they, they play don't. Phoenix tomorrow, or Phoenix today, Golden State on Thursday, Oklahoma City on Friday, and then Denver on Sunday. Quite possibly, well, the toughest the, four four games that they have while trying to get into the playoffs. The Spurs have a really tough schedule coming up, too, because they've got the Nuggets tonight, the Timberwolves on Thursday, and the Timberwolves have been playing pretty well. They have been. Uh, The Warriors on Saturday, and then the Mavericks on Sunday after back-to-back. So those are four tough games. Don't you mess this up for us, San Antonio. Do not mess this up. Just win one. Maybe... (laughs) Hmm... I could see them beating the Nuggets tonight. Spurs are a good basketball team. No, they're not bad. It's, I, it, I, that could go either way. It I don't could, yeah, think. it could go either way, but I could see it happening. I mean, the Nuggets have had a, a history of just playing real close games. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so like, gives all it, us fans. It, it's not t- like, yeah, they do. It's, they like to just hang around. Mm-hmm. They don't just put their foot down. But I could see them maybe beating the Timberwolves, maybe the Warriors if Steph isn't there. Although Clay has been going off lately. Clay has been playing well. Actually, and now that I say this, San Antonio's got DeJounta Murray out for tonight's game against the Nuggets. He's got he's ruled out with an illness. And then Jacob or Jock Landell. Looked like Jake to me on my screen initially. Jock Landell is also out for them. So it's, they've got some injuries that they're battling. That Especially DeJounta Murray. He's got to play the last couple of games for them if they want to to win out. Or even just not screw it and, and put the Lakers in the playoffs and make every single NBA fan mad. Uh, but... He's going to be a big piece, but this isn't a, you brought up the schedule of Denver, Minnesota, Golden State, and Dallas. Those are four tough games. Yeah. Like there's nobody you can just kind of go, ah, yeah, we got that one. Like you got to give it your all. Golden State is a winnable game, but not easily. And all of them are winnable, but it's going to take a grind for the Spurs to try to win out. We just got to pray the Lakers lose four in a row. Just got to pray the Lakers lose four in a row. But, would, nothing nothing would make me happier than to watch the Lakers. Oh, I know, right? Be booted it, from the playoffs. For got to be one of the first times in LeBron's career. I think it is. Yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's been in the playoffs every single year of his NBA career. Yeah, I think it is. So that would be fun. Let's. Yeah. Down with the king, all right? There's only <laughs> one new king, and his name is Nikola Jokic. He's, That's right. He's from Serbia, all right? If you don't know who he is, you better get learned up. Did you see Embiid's comments about the MVP? Dude, I, I don't even know what to do with him anymore. And I actually saw a tweet today. And for those who didn't see Embiid's comments, he came out and said, I don't know what I have to do to win MVP. Why do you care? Here's here's the thing is, yes, I, I get he wants to win. He's I don't think it, Embiid has ever won MVP. He's not. And he has, he's a great basketball player. Yeah, no, he's very talented. Um, but when your competition is Jokic, who's playing better than he did last season. Yeah, which is without two of his key pieces. Right. Um, how do you not give that guy the MVP? Now, that comment wasn't necessarily what bothered me. What bothered me was when he said, if I don't win MVP, I'll just feel like they hate me. <laughs> we kind of do, Joel. Oh, well, I, I don't I, hate Joel Embiid. I, I, I'm hit or miss. Like he's, I enjoy his antics at times. And then there's times where I'm like, you know, Joel, you just, you just bother me. 
at times. <laughs> like he just, for some reason, just grinds my gears every yeah. once in a while. I, I've got nothing against the guy. Um, Very talented. Yeah, if it wasn't for Jokic, I think he would absolutely win the MVP. But you can't sit here and boo-hoo and try and, like, you just look desperate, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, it's the MVP. Shouldn't you have your sights set on, like, I don't know, a championship? Right, and that's my issue with the comments. Is I, yeah. I saw a tweet today that said... um Joel Embiid is focused on winning the MVP. Jokic is focused on winning a championship. They are not the same. Yeah, they're not. They're not. And Jokic just doesn't care about those individual accolades. No. He just wants to go out there and win. You know? Yeah. That's that same sort of mentality that MJ had. I just just watched The Last Dance. I'm a little You just watched it? I just watched it. Oh, my God. It's so good, Dylan. (laughs) It is. It was so good. I know. I know, dude. I was heavily invested in it. Yeah. No, it's one of those where you see the 10 episodes. You're like, this is this is going to be a couple of days to get me through it. And then you start it. And you're like, I don't want to turn it off. Yeah. Like, you just keep going. Yeah. I think um, I got through the first five episodes or something. Yeah. <laughs> in a day. I was like, this is so good. Yeah. It's phenomenal, phenomenal series. Um, but MJ had that same mentality, you mm-hmm. know? He was like, yeah, sure. Like. I want to win the MVP, but like, I would rather win championships. Yeah, it's not his primary focus, and yeah, that's exactly. why I love Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not—he's just worried about his guys. He doesn't care about MVP. I mean, he said it. If you've seen any of his, com- I'm—I know you have, but for our listeners, if any of them, if you guys have seen any of Jokic's comments, like every time he's asked about the MVP, he goes. I just want to win. I just want to win games. I, I'm worried about my guys here in the building. And yep. that's what you want out of a superstar. Like, I don't want... That's part of my issue with with a lot of guys in the NBA, I should, I should say. This is too many of them, I feel like, are focused on themselves mm-hmm. and not winning games. And I'm not talking about, like, off-court personas because... It, it, NBA is such a player-driven league. Like, everybody's supposed to have their brand. But it doesn't feel like everybody is always invested in winning, and Jokic doesn't care about anything but winning. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I think, that's why he should be the MVP, is because mm-hmm. he just he just wants to win. He wants to go out there and win championships, and he's going to do it whatever way he can. Yeah, plus, I don't, I don't want to hear the the record or seeding argument anymore. The Nuggets now they're in fifth. The Sixers are in set or in fourth in the East. Like it's not like they have the best record in the NBA. Because if they did, I think it'd be tough to give the Jokic the award. They don't. Like they're basically they have Nuggets have lost two more games compared to one more win for the Sixers. They have a 48 and 30 record. The Nuggets have a 49 or. 47 and 32 record like yeah and you're it's, you're doing that in a much easier conference it's a fact the you east know? is it well actually the east has been pretty good this year it's actually the first year where it's been truly competitive up and down but it, it's not like the the strong conference in the nba like the west still is the more dominant conference in my mind Although it does feel a little reversed this year. As a little bit, actually. This is the, the first standings. time, I think, in the last, I don't know how many years, but it feels like five to ten where somebody from the East is going to get into the playoffs with a losing record. That isn't happening over there, but it is happening on the West this year. <laughs> there's yeah, there's, there's a couple teams... teams. Three teams in the play and all have losing records. And the Clippers are the only team out of those three who can get to a winning record. As they're 39 and 40. So just one win brings them to 500. And I'm, they're a good enough team that they can get over that 500 line. But it, it doesn't feel like the same. But going back to your point of like he's doing it in a weaker conference, I would agree, especially weaker big conference. Like there's not a ton of dominant centers or any that are jumping off the page at least 
in my mind in the East. There's not saying they don't have good centers. They have some very quality centers, but Joel is the best one in the East. Jokic is the best one in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's tough to play that record and seeding argument now because that was the the disagreement for so many fans with Jokic is they were like, well, the Nuggets are in sixth. They're the sixth seed. Like, why do I care? And you're like, uh, uh, they're winning games with one star. Well, two stars. I'll give Eric Gordon that star status. Yeah, I would too. Aaron, he's been playing really well lately too. Mm-hmm. I, I love what he brings to the Nuggets, and I can't wait for next season. Like, I can't wait for all this Nuggets slander to stop next year. Because, I mean, if you when you get MPJ and Jamal Murray back next season, like, Nuggets are one of the best teams in the NBA. Oh, by a long ways. Yeah, I'm not going to say the best team in the NBA, because, I mean, I, I don't think they're that, but they're one of the best. Well, and... Here's the thing is Jamal Murray is a star. MPJ is a star. But they're not superstars, which is what you have over in L.A. And look at what they're doing right now. I'll argue Jamal Murray is, if he he's didn't on, he's on the his ACL, he would, he would be a superstar. He's on the borderline. Like, his, his bubble play turned him into a star. Like, he... I think broke out into a lot of people's minds with uh, his play in the bubble, specifically the 50 point game on what was it? Four or six missed shots and no free throws. Like, I think that was the moment where everybody just went, damn, this guy's good. (laughs) Yeah. This guy's really good. And that layup around LeBron in the, the conference finals where he, carved through the double and threw some jelly for a reverse. I think people saw that and went, mm, he's going to be a problem. Yeah. And and if he didn't tear his ACL, I, I imagine his stardom would have only continued to grow. And I imagine next year it, it will grow even more. So. Yeah. We'll see how he, how he does coming back from that, that knee injury. Fair, fair. So. And, all right, Dylan, we're going to close this segment. How do you think the Nuggets finished? Do you, what do, you, what do you think their record is against San Antonio, Memphis, and L.A.? I say they win two of their next three. I think they win tonight. I think they win against L.A. Fair. I'm trying to go through. I agree with you because Memphis is tough for me because I just don't know what they're going to do with their lineup and roster and if they'll rest guys or anything like that. Yeah, I, I imagine they a, would, but. That's a tough one to win no matter what. So I, I would agree with that. Two for one at, I think they, they absolutely can beat Memphis, but it's, it's not one where I can just look at it and be like, yeah, that's a, that should be a win. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know if I can call that one a win, but I think that they can win tonight and I think that they can win against LA. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. I would agree with that, but. That is going to wrap up our Denver Nuggets talk as we come into our final segment of the show with some hockey. Dylan's favorite. I, I actually, it's, I don't get to watch it a ton, but I love hockey. It's one of those sports. I can't wait for playoff hockey. The vibe of playoff hockey, there's nothing like it. I don't know if you've ever been to an avalanche game playoff. I haven't been to a playoff game, no. Oh my God, man! Baller, well, when I went, it was Pepsi Center. So yeah, but, but now ball, ball arena. Yeah, ball arena gets wild during the I playoffs. Wild. I was at Kale McCarr's first game against Calgary. Oh, and I bet that was epic. It was. I want to say it was like 102 decibels or something like that. I I inside would the it. arena. The players said that they could hear it sounded like an earthquake in the locker room. Goodness. Yeah. It was, it's unreal playoff hockey, but obviously we still have some, some games left to play. Um, I think 14 left on their schedule. Um, go count this Dylan. No, I'm not going to make you count that. I think that it's, I'm pretty sure it's 14. Um, but 
Good news. Bowen Byram is back tonight. Officially confirmed. 13. He will play. Okay, so, so he's back. Games. Byram is back tonight, which will be his first game in an Av sweater in months. So it's, you know, it's good that he took that time off. Concussions are tricky, as I'm sure you know. Oh, yeah, no, I've definitely gotten my fair share of concussions throughout my yeah. athletic career. Some of them, most of them not documented. Yeah. So they're on top of the entire NHL. Um, not surprised. With 100, 104 points, they still lead the Panthers by two. Um, they play the Penguins tonight at 5 o'clock in Pittsburgh. Um, That's going to be fun. Which will be cool. Uh, Pittsburgh is a good team. Yeah, Pittsburgh is always one of those teams that you can't count out. No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, they're right now 90 with 90 points, and they're third in their division with 92 points. Yeah, they're... Which, I mean, the Eastern Conference in the NHL is just stupid good. Like, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's so, a bloodbath it's so over there. Yeah, it's so top-heavy, mm -hmm. you know? And everybody is pretty much locked into a playoff spot. Yeah. That, <laughs> the, the, that, the teams that are out of the playoffs right now are out of the playoffs pretty much. Yeah. Um, it's, it, that East is never like, it's one of those where I look at and I'm like, gosh, it's just a bloodbath. Like every team. Well, maybe not. There's a couple of teams that aren't the best, but like for the majority of it, all of the teams in the East are capable of beating you every night yeah yeah well like i said it's it's top heavy the top eight it teams is. the top eight teams in the east are great mm -hmm. um the bottom eight teams are not <laughs> they're not good <laughs> very 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 bad so um right now the wild and the Flames are tied with 91 points uh, for second in the conference. So the Abs still have a pretty good lead on them. Mm -hmm. I'm upset to see the Kraken are eliminated. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted another expansion team in the first year to make the NHL uh, championship. I did. Like that, that I, think, I thought it was so fun watching oh. that. And then I quickly grew to hate the Golden Knights, but uh, it was so much fun watching the first-year team just ball out like that. Oh yeah, go to the go to the finals. Obviously, they got beat by um, the Capitals that year, mm -hmm. but no, it was still pretty phenomenal to see, like kind of a nobody team too. It's not yeah, like it, they had it any superstars on there. Yeah, the only player, and now of course I go to say his name, I can't. Daniel Carlson. He had a he had a tremendous year that year though. Yeah. William Carlson, that's what William Carlson, that's right. I was like, I know there's too many damn Carlsons in the NHL. Yeah. No, I mean, he had an all right year, but he's not like a superstar, you know? No, that he was just the only name that like really popped off the page and that I recognized from the roster. But I mean, they didn't have any, any superstars that year outside no, of Mark. Mark Stone? No, Andre Fleury. Oh, Mark Andre Fleury. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like and he's he like he's whole... actually probably the biggest superstar off that team. Yeah, he was the whole reason I think that they got that far. Oh, he was. But now he's playing for Minnesota. I know. <laughs> I know. So here's the thing, though, is so Minnesota acquired him at the at the deadline. Mm -hmm. It always takes goalies in particular a while to kind of become accustomed to the team in front of them and everything like that. Um. Kemper like didn't really start getting accustomed to this and start being like a solid tendy until January really was when he kind of broke out. Why is that? Is I, it just defense? The, the defense in front of him, um, you know, your, your goaltender coach a lot of times will try and change up things depending on how they like. Oh, that makes sense to, you know, play that position um yeah i mean just just getting used to the guys in front of you really the, yeah. the defense and everything like that so i just was a little surprised to hear that because i feel like 
I'm not going to say it's an easy position, but it feels like the most constant position where your job doesn't change. Like you're not asked to go play a, on a different wing or something as a goalie. Like you're there, just go occupy the net, make some saves, buddy. <laughs> that's it's not that easy, you know, because I mean, well, I know there's, that's there's guys I... like like Kale McCarr that, um, you know, they don't necessarily protect like the area in front of the net. Like a Josh Manson would, he goes out there and he he pushes people out from in front of the net. Yeah, which is obviously something that the Abs were lacking. Um, to say the no, least, nobody really did that. They all just kind of sat there while Kemper made saves, and then they kind of waited for rebounds to go off into the corner. They'd go collect the puck and try and move it up. But um, yeah, so it's just those guys, the way that they play and everything like that. That's the difference. Okay. Okay. Oh. Thank you for my explanation. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. You're great hockey mind. You're my analyst. You're my no. expert. It's terrible hockey mind, honestly. Oh, you do a great job. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they've got quite a few games. They've still got the Wild, the Blues to play. Um, wild will be a tough one. Yeah, that's the last game of the season. April 29th um, in Minnesota. So that one will be that one will be interesting. Um, they've got the so Penguins tonight, the Jets on Friday, Oilers on Saturday. So you'll have a little McDavid McKinnon matchup again. That'll be so much fun. Abs Abs uh, came out on top of the last one. Three to two in OT. Yeah. Ooh. Yep, and that was a. Uh, that was an awesome overtime period. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of weeks ago, too. Yeah. It was an awesome overtime period. Um, Evander Kane just lost the puck. There was a little bit of a incidental contact collision at center ice. One guy lost his helmet, so he had to skate off. Um, and Makes then sense. it just kind of, you know, went the abs way after everybody lost side of the puck. So fair. It was awesome. It was great. But um, they have the Hurricanes, which will be another really good game on the 16th Mm -hmm. this year. So a couple to kind of look out for. And why Uh, do I feel like Carolina is just one of those teams that just forever stays under the radar? Even I know uh, they're second, but like nobody, nobody talks about Carolina. And then they just piece everybody up. It's just one of those like small market things, you know? Yeah. Like you can't not talk about the abs because they're the first in the league, right? Now, right. You know, um, and they've got dudes on there like Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, um, obviously Bo Byram coming back. That's a big mm-hmm. storyline. So they've got some guys that you really look out for. Carolina doesn't necessarily have any like superstars superstars i mean like they've got they've got some good dudes sebastian or sebastian ajo mm-hmm. solid hockey player jordan stall really solid hockey player i do like jordan stall yeah jordan stall's awesome i loved him when he was in pittsburgh too me too he was great yeah um so i mean they've got solid hockey players but there's not like a superstar on that team they're just good hockey players you know what i mean now i'm looking at their roster right now and it's one of those where like very quality and talented players, but there's not star power like you were saying. I mean, I'm gonna butcher this last name. Andre Sev Sved Svechnikov. Check- yep, there you go. <laughs> I should just make you do all of the last names. No, you're good. And I got you. I got you. Tuevo Teravanian. <laughs> I was close enough for that one. <laughs> Hang on, wait, wait, wait. Teravanian. Uh, it's Tavo Teravainen. The hell? Are... Gosh, this is the one part of hockey that I just can't stand. <laughs> is the fact that half of them try to pronounce from... their last names yeah, <laughs> come from any part of Europe, and you're like, I have no idea how to say that. Well, I mean, NBA is no different. There's not nearly as many names that. I mean, there's some that are tough pr- to pronounce, but you can at least get close. With a lot of them in the NBA. 
Yeah, that's fine. The only one that really gives people trouble or was the one that gave a ton of people trouble trouble was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I I had zero idea how to pronounce any of his names. Yeah, like Before it was I one of those. It, I was like, when he came in, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right, but like that was the main one where nobody knew how to say his name. Yeah, but other than that, for the most part, it's pretty it's pretty current. But I mean, if you as of if the playoffs started today, Avs would have arguably one of the most fun first round matchups. Because right now it would be Las Vegas Golden Knights in that second wild card spot, according to this article from ESPN titled NF- NHL Playoff Watch Standings Update State of the Atlantic Division Race. Right now it's got Avs and, and the Golden Knights taking each other on in the first round. And honestly, I don't think you can ask for a better first round matchup. No, I, I think that that would be awesome. Um just oh that would be so much fun trying to look so here's the thing the stars um the stars have 81 points the knights have 82 the stars have three games in hand on them so i honestly think that the stars may be in that wild card two spot, which would be awesome too, because the stars knocked them out a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's either way you're getting in the bubble, like a rivalry. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of the guys on the DNVR podcast talking about exercising some of those playoff demons, you know, you beat the stars, you beat the Knights. Like that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. No, that's uh, one of those where it, it sets your playoff run off, right. Where you don't have to, be as as worried about some of the games coming up. Like you can just free free flow. And I feel like it so many times the Avs have gotten into the playoffs as one of the best teams in the NHL and just kind of flopped in the first round. And I feel like if they can get out of the first round this year. Second round. They've always done really well in the first round. They can't get out of oh, the Oh, it is the round. second round. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah. it's we like sweep the team in front of us and then get the Minnesota Wild or whatever. And just get smacked. Yeah, it was, it was the stars or the sharks. Mm-hmm. The, the year stars. they won too, or got uh, to went really no. far to the. So the sharks was um, that was the year that Vegas went to the Cup final. Okay, no, I was like because San Jose was really good the year that we lost to them. The sharks played the Blues in the finals. And the Blues won. Um, and then stars the year after that, but the abs that was in the bubble. Yeah. It, the it abs just were like on their series. fourth goaltender. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of they those had, where I was like, I don't think we're going to win this going into it. Yeah. Landis Skog went out like in game six that he got cut by a skate, like on the back of the leg and he was out. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like. You know, everything was kind of conspiring. The world is conspiring against them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, last year they get beat by Vegas, um, which should have never happened. The worst one was when the Avs went from worst to first and then just had a terrible showing in the playoffs. And we were like, we had so much hope, hope and hype for you in the playoffs, and you let us all down. But, I mean, I can say this confidently. like hockey is the hardest sport to win in the playoffs. I think so. I, I I love the football playoffs, but seeing a team potentially seven times in a row in a sport that's so physical and so, like, heat-based, like, if you are, are playing well and you have a, a hot goalie or whatever, like, it can carry you in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. If you don't, like, you, you could be going seven games and all of them go into, like, overtime or de- or decided by one goal. Well, and, you know, you look at, like, the NBA playoffs and stuff like that, too. Even through the regular season, home court advantage is a real thing. Yeah. You know? That's not the case in hockey. 
It's kind of, it's not really. I'd argue it's a bigger deal in hockey than it. Eh, I don't know. That's tough. That's a good, that's an interesting way to look at it. Cause I actually don't think home court in the NBA is a huge deal. It's, it's certainly not in hockey. It is in football. That one really oh, yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the decis- deciding uh, kind of factors in football is who gets that home court. But that's an interesting kind of point is it doesn't matter. Because it is, I mean, it's the same surface every day. The only thing that changes is the fans and how excited they get. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. But I'll have to... We'll have to keep an eye on this Avs team because they have so many injuries right now. They do, but all of these guys should be They'll back. They'll be back, but yeah. Barring any more injuries, knock on your wood, buddy. I knocked. Um, barring any more injuries, they should be healthy come playoff time. Yeah, and that's going to be huge. But, like, I know we were talking about it on Monday. I guess that was yesterday. It doesn't feel like Tuesday. But we were talking about it yesterday of Kadri's now injured. He is expected to return by at least the start of the playoffs. Yeah. But Sam Gerrard, he's not playing against Pittsburgh. Landeskog's still out. Calvert is, well. Calvert, what? Calvert? Yeah, Matt Calvert is on, I, and I read it wrong. He's been on the IR. It was, I don't know why he's. Matt Calvert listed. retired. Yeah, it, it's. Injured reserve, undisclosed, will hang up his skates after 11 seasons. I'm like, why is he on the freaking injury report then? Yeah, I don't know. If he retired retired. and is on IR, why is he on the injured report? Yeah. But Landeskog, Kadri, those are huge injuries. Kadri especially because he's your leading points producer this. Yeah. You know, he's been. Up to 83 now. Yeah, he's been incredible on the second line. Um but now it's you know it's time for guys to step up. Yeah. I think yeah. I think giving these guys some time off though, it's going to be huge. Is going to be big. I mean, you've got a huge lead right now in the conference. I don't yeah. think that they they care re- much about winning the president's trophy. I I've always wondered why that. I don't know if it's like a huge thing among amongst teams, but I feel like fans make such a big deal out of it. And it's like, cool. Like well, I mean, it's nice to be the number one overall, but I feel like it's just adding hype and pressure to the playoff run. Sure. It is. It absolutely is because then you carry those expectations from the regular season over to the postseason. Right. Like it's so, nice to win it, but yeah, it's like, cool. You know, we won the president's trophy, mm-hmm. but I mean, they won it last year and look what happened. Exactly. Like it, it went out in the second round. It, it shouldn't be kind of the precipice for the for the abs is they won it last year. Didn't do much in the playoffs. Like I honestly think it's I'd be OK if they if they didn't win it, because I, I think it would be beneficial for them. I agree. I agree. You have you have home ice advantage right now through at least the or to the Stanley Cup finals. Right. I think that you just ice that, you know, rest some guys a night or two here and there mm-hmm. and just, you know, say whatever happens up after this happens. Yeah. Prioritize health going into the playoffs, not president's cup. Trophy. Ex- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like they're going to do that. Yeah, me too. You know, I, I last think 10 they, games or so. And, and Bednar, who is he in his fourth year now? Yes. Uh, I feel like his progression as an NHL coach, fifth year. Fifth year. I was like, I know he's been here for at least four or five, um, but his progression as a coach has really changed where he does kind of emphasize health over things. Because, I mean, when he came in, it was one of those where it felt like it was just a race to the finish. Well, when he came in, was that awful 48-point season? Awful, yeah. It was when terrible. They were like, they the first year was terrible. <laughs> For lowest points. Yeah. First know? year was and then And then the year after that is when they just squeaked into the playoffs um, in the last game against Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was huge, you know? That was a big stepping stone to go from the worst team in NHL history 
literally to yeah. <laughs> to a playoff team like that's that's huge and then they've just been getting better ever since you know yeah yeah i mean it, this team is since he took over has it feels like i mean the roster has stayed fairly consistent but the mentality has completely switched for him yeah i mean even just since last year you know last year was all about speed and mm-hmm you know, quick transitions and all that kind of stuff. This year, there's still a focus on that, but there's more of a focus on physicality as well because yeah. that's that's what you need to win playoff games is physicality. Mm-hmm. Well, and speed is great to have. And uh, don't get me wrong, the abs have a bunch of it, but like to win in, in the playoffs, you need more than speed. And mm-hmm. at a certain point, like it's speed only gets you so far in the regular season too. Like there's going to be games that you lose because you don't have the physicality because you emphasize speed. And this year it's completely switched. Like yeah, we've seen them win. Uh, obviously the way that they, they play the game is with speed. Mm-hmm. That's their game. They it's like that always game. It's going to be. It's effective, you know, until the other team decides to force their game on you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they play a more physical style of play, a slower pace. Now the abs are comfortable with that. You know, yeah. they can they can go, okay, if we want to play it this way, we can play it this way. And we do add dudes like Curtis McDermott, who by the way just got a two-year extension. Good for him. Today. Um, you add guys like that that add a really physical element. <laughs> I mean, that's all he does. He doesn't play yeah, much he, defense. No, he's he's just there to be what I like to call the goon. Yeah, he because is because I love that movie. That's one of my favorites, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my if, favorite movies. If any of you listeners have not seen the movie Goon, go watch it right now. Ah, oh, so good. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what he's there for. And he's, I've heard that he's a beloved guy in the locker room. Like, everybody loves to have him around. Um, And so, you know, adding him, that's a no-brainer. You know, if he gives you that, little element off ice. Yeah. Yeah. Bring him back. I would love to sing them, see them bring Josh Manson back and Arturi Lekkanen mm-hmm. as well, because I thought that the few games that he's played since he came to the avalanche have been really solid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's been pretty fun to watch. Yeah. And I, I just remembered the point that I wanted to make about the speed too. It's very nice that they play with speed because we're in Colorado. Like you have the advantage because you're a mile above sea level. Use yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Tire yeah. those guys out. Yeah, it's 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 a must. You got to tire them out and and try to get your advantage wherever you can. And that's obviously being in Colorado, one of the major advantages that the Nuggets, the Broncos abs every every team in Colorado tries to take advantage of. Yep. Yep. Any gotcha. closing kind of thoughts for you? No, I think we touched on pretty much everything that we needed to. Yeah, I was like I feel like we hit everything. We yeah. we talked about we hit kind of everything some some other teams in conferences for NBA and NHL. Kansas pulled off the huge win in in the National t- championship last night, one of the most fun instant classics ever as they came back. The biggest came back from the biggest deficit in, in tournament history to win. It's the biggest comeback ever. So that's obviously uh, an important one for them is it's their fourth national title, second under head coach Bill Self as well. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Wired Up Sports Podcast. I'm Josh Coleman. Alongside Dylan Malfati, you can check us out at any of the podcasting apps that you listen on, whether it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anything that I'm missing, because there's times where I believe you can get podcasts and all that on on SoundCloud. I don't know if we go there, Um, but check us out wherever you can, and then check out our Twitter as well, the Wired Up Sports Podcast. Gray logo for both, at for Twitter is wired underscore up underscore sports. But that's going to do it. I'm Josh Coleman with Dylan Malfati. We hope you have a great rest of your day, everybody.
Thank you.